Good work. And uh, we, uh, we're going to talk about one of the more difficult to understand sugyas in, uh, in the Torah. And this is, of course, the story of Yaakov stealing the brachas. That is the way it is always referred to. That is how Esav referred to it. Yaakov stole my bracha. And uh, this concept of the brachas, that it was given in this way, is very strange. Furthermore, what do you need the bracha for? You know, fighting over who got the bracha? You got a bracha, you didn't get the bracha, you know. Especially if Esav's a Russia. Okay, you got the bracha, you didn't get the bracha. You know, could you imagine some non-from Jew uh, saying, I'm going to destroy this guy because he took my bracha. I, I went to get a bracha and he got my bracha instead. I mean, who cares? You know, why, why should that even be an issue? So I want to start with a Rashi that, uh, that uh, I, I think might hold the key and at the same time is difficult to understand. Right at the beginning of Perak Chavzayin, Pasuk Aleph, Vayiki Zakan he, he lost his eyesight. Says Rashi, three pshatim. Why did he lose his eyesight? The wives who are referred to in the last psukim, as it says the Pasuk just before, these wives, these Kananim that they took, yeah, because they were burning incense to Avodah When he was offered up on the Mizbeach, and his father wanted to shecht him. The Shemayim opened, Now you have to admit, those two pshatim are diametrically opposed. He lost his eyesight because of the smoke of Avodah Zorah, or he lost his eyesight because the Malochim cried into his eyes at the Akedah. So one is the Malochim looking down and, and so shocked that this tzaddik is going to be lost. The other one is his daughter-in-laws who are mamash burning incense to Avodah Zorah, and the smoke went into his face and blinded him. Uh, it certainly seemed two completely different approaches. Dava Acher, and he brings a third shot. Why did he lose his eyesight? Kadesha Yitol Yaakov is a brachos, so that Yaakov could take the brachos, so he wouldn't be able to see him, and Yaakov would be able to fool him. Hey, call me crazy. I just thought of a more efficient way a Kodesh Baruch Hu could have done this besides making Yitzchak blind. Tell him, give the brachos to Yaakov. Now, to compound the question, right? Rashi and Lech Lecha tells us right at the beginning. The Eschala Goy Gadol, the Averechecha, the Agad Lashmecha, the Haye Bracha. What does that mean, the Haye Bracha? Says Rashi. Where's the Rashi? The Haye Bracha. Habrachos Nasudas Biodecha. I'm giving you the power of Bracha. Ad Akshav Haye Biodi. I'm the one who gave the bracha to Adam. I'm the one who gave the bracha to Noyach. You will be in charge of bracha. You will decide who gets bracha and who doesn't. In your hands, I'm handing it over to you. You are going to have the power of bracha. Okay, sounds pretty good. Now, pop quiz. If you were Avraham, and you have the power of bracha, who would you give a bracha to? I mean, okay, you scan your life from the time this happens. 
you were 75 years old, you die at 175, you meet a whole bunch of people during those 100 years, uh, you meet Ona uh, Eshkol uh, and Mamre, Pyro and Avimelech, Hagar, Yishmael, Ketura, Midian, Fichol, and Yitzchak. Oh yeah, Yitzchak. I got this son Yitzchak who is going to carry on after me. Here's an idea. Why not give him a bracha? Says Rashi at the end of Chai Sara. After Abraham dies, Perak Chaf Hey Pasuk Yud Aleph, Vehi Achrei Mos Abraham Vehivarech Elokimis Yitzchak Benai. He gives Yitzchak a bracha. Says um, Rashi, Nasnu Tanchunre Avelim. That would be the easiest way. He gave him a bracha. He came to to give him. Uh, to be Menachem Ovel after Avram died. Dova Acher, Avol Pisha Mosa Kodesh Baruch Hu is a brachos la Avraham. Avraham got the bracha this Yari Levarechas Yitzchak. He didn't want to give Yitzchak a bracha. Mibnei Shet Safa Es Esav Yotzei Mimenu, because he saw in the future Esav was going to come out of him. He gave the bracha back to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave him the power of bracha and he gave it back because he didn't want to give Yitzchak a bracha because Esau was going to come out of it. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave him. Now there's precedent for this. As you know, all the way back in my Sibiratius. Gives a bracha he gives a bracha to the fish and not to the animals. Uh, Rashi says Vayuvarecho Sam Perak Aleph Kaf Days Lefi. Because of overfishing, he didn't give a bracha to the animals because he saw in the future he was going to curse the Nachash. Uh, so he did not give a bracha to all the animals. So Abraham saw that Esav was going to come out, so he doesn't give a bracha to Yitzchak. And he says, that, you take back the brachas. So you see that Abraham was already concerned about this. So what happens? He gives the bracha to Yitzchak and says, you will now have the brachas. And now Yitzchak is going to pass down those brachas and he's going to give it to Esav, exactly what Abraham was afraid of. Rivka knew. Rivka knew. Right? Because she went to Sheva Aver, and Sheva Aver said, the younger one is going to rule over the older one, and he's the one who's going to be in charge. So Vice says she knew she was going to get the brachas. Doesn't say a word to Yitzchak. HaKadosh Baruch Hu knew that Esav was a Russia. Doesn't say anything to Yitzchak. Instead, makes him blind so that Yaakov can go and fool him and steal the brachos. Uh, what a strange way to go about this. If you want B'nai Yisrael to get the brachos, so then just be proactive. Why doesn't Rivka say anything? So the story here is very strange. It, it, it's almost as if HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted uh, Yaakov to steal the brachos. He had to go and get it in this kind of backhanded way instead of just getting the brachas normally, which would have worked out much better for us. Yeah? 
on many different levels. Um, the uh, uh, concept of Rivka not telling Yaakov is mirrored in a later story. When the brothers tell him, tell Yaakov that he's, he's died, they come to him. A Yosef died, Shkayach. Perek Lamed Zion, Posek Lamed Dalet. Vayikra Yaakov Simlay Sav, Vyosam Sakma Mosnav, Vyisabel Al Benoi, and uh, he came on his, uh, he, cro- he mourned his son, Yamim Rabim. Vyakumu Kobana, Vikobnosav, Lanachamu, Vyimoin Liznachem, he would not be comforted. Vyomake Ered El Bene Ovel Sheila, I'm going to go down into my grave mourning my son. Vayefk oso aviv, and his father cried for him. Says Rashi, Yitzchak hayaboyche. Yitzchak was crying about Yaakov. Bibnei tzaraso she Yaakov. Avlo avel, but he wasn't mourning. He was crying for what Yaakov was going through, but he wasn't mourning. Sho yodeya shehuchai, because he knew that Yosef was alive through Ruach Hakodesh. So Yitzchak, why don't you tell Yaakov, don't worry, Yosef's still alive. Doesn't tell him. Rivka knows that the brachas are supposed to go to Yaakov. Doesn't, doesn't tell him. So they understand that something's going on over here. There's, there's something happening. Shalog Derech HaTeva. Yitzchak is an unbelievable tzaddik and Pashtus, you can't fool him. You can't fool him. I know we like to paint the picture of Yitzchak being sort of like old and out of it, and his son, who's not from anymore, drives to the old neighborhood on Shabbos, puts on a yarmulke, walks in and says, oh, hi, Pop, I was in the neighborhood. And so he'd stop in, and he can't figure out that his son isn't from anymore, you know. You... you you're dealing here with things that, that are so impossible for us to understand in that way. So I'll give you one story. The Chavetz Chaim came to a town and people were lining up to get brachas. Now there was one guy, his son uh, drove his wagon on Shabbos. He worked Friday night. Now trains were coming in and he would work by the station and everybody was very upset. They tried talking to the guy, health nurse. So, uh, so, they, uh, so he's in line to get a bracha from the Chavetz Chaim. So they wanted to tell the Chavetz Chaim that this guy, uh, you know, his son drives his wagon on Shabbos. Oh, the Chavetz Chaim had never been to this town before. And tell him you're not going to give him a bracha unless he gives his son Musa to stop driving. But the Chavetz Chaim, towards the end of his life, was, was losing his hearing. Right? Uh, it's said it's because he was so worried about hearing Lashon Hara that slowly his hearing started to go. I don't know if it's true or not, but uh, as I always point out, I'm not Pesach Kron. I don't check out my stories. I, I hear something and I say it over. But anyway, so in fact, I had one of Pesach Kron's grandchildren at my house Friday night, and he says, he, he hears a story, he goes and finds the person and he talks to somebody else and he checks out the whole story. And if, and if he feels it's not schmecked from Emmas, he doesn't tell it over, even if he talked to the person, you know? I hear something, I say it over, it's good enough for me. So anyway, so uh, he, was, he was losing his hearing. So they would have to scream at him, don't give this guy a bracha because his son drives the wagon. And they felt that might be problematic. So what are you going to do? Missed opportunity. Uh, uh, so he comes, and Chavetz Chaim is giving every bracha. Somebody comes to Chavetz Chaim, he goes, what can I do for you? He says, Rabbi, I want a bracha. He says, a bracha? It says, Shabbos Himekar HaBracha. Shabbos is the source of all bracha. How can I give you a bracha if Shabbos isn't happy? He says, what do you mean? He says, well, your son drives his wagon Friday night and your daughter brushes her hair on Shabbos with a comb and pulls out hairs. So if Shabbos isn't happy, then how can I give you a bracha? 
He says, Rebbe, I'm, I'm going to speak to my children. I'm going to tell them. I'm going to give them most. So he says, okay, then I'll give you a bracha. And they said, no one knew about the daughter. Well, the Chavaz Chaim did. Yeah, the Chavaz Chaim did. This woman came to Rebbe Moshe Feinstein. And he says, I don't know what to do. So my husband died in the war. Adam came. I went to this famous Rav in Europe. I forgot his name. And I told him over the case. And, uh, and he mocked me to get remarried. And I got remarried. I had children. And now my first husband showed up. What do I do? So Moshe stops. He thinks. He says, tell the story again. She tells the story again. So Moshe goes, tell it again. Tells it the third time. He says, you're lying. She says, what? She says, you never spoke to that Rav. She starts crying. She says, it's true. I heard that my husband died, uh, you know. He says, but how did you know? He says, I knew that Rav, he couldn't make a mistake. He couldn't make a mistake. Kush Baruch would never have allowed a Taurus to come about through him. You're going to fool Yitzchak? Your son is a Russia. An ace of Harasha who gets a harasha at his name. Yeah? We say the Ariya Kaddish, the Zoya Kaddish, right? Now we say Yosef at Tzaddik. Certain people get certain uh, appell appellations attached to their name. Yeah? And uh, a, a, uh, something like this comes along and Yitzchak can't tell? He's being fooled? Very strange. There's this thing called Chachmas um, HaPartzufim, where you can read someone's face. You know, there's, there's something called palm reading. You can read somebody's face. You can look at his face and know everything that he's done. And, you know, I won't mention his name. He's somebody who's well known in the Jewish field and the speaker. And he says, uh, when he was in, learning in, in Eretzel, he went to see the stipler. And he walked in. And the stifler looked at him and says, Arois, Arois. And he was like, what? And the guy said, that means go. <laughs> he says, that's my cuddle story. <laughs> so uh, I didn't tell him about the partsufim that he might, I don't know what he saw in his face that he threw him out, but yeah. But uh, you can look at somebody's face. You know, you can see things. Yeah. So uh, this guy knew how to read faces. So his sons were all going around with their hat, like pulled over their face. Until their father said to them, Kindelach, I don't think he said Kindelach, who's probably Sephardi if he knew Chachmas uh, of you know, he said, uh, if, uh, if I can read your face, don't you think I can see through your hat? <laughs> so, uh, you know, so Asaph fooled Yitzchak. Yeah. Esav's not a Russia like we think of a Russia. It's Marusha Nebuch. You know, we, uh, I, I, I mentioned this. Um, uh, Hara Muriri was called Hara Chorev. It's from a Lushan Churban. That, uh, that it was a Churban to the world. That's why they thought it was a Mabel. Olam la Mabel Yashav. Yeah, they thought there was a Mabel coming to the world. Why? Because the Torah destroys everything else. You know, you can't really have uh, an opinion when, when you're up against the absolute truth. Lahavdil. There's a comedian called Brian Regan, and he says, you know, I was a, you know, you have one of these dinner parties and people are all like telling stories about how important they are, and then like Neil Armstrong is there. And he's like, yeah, I walked on the moon. <laughs> and I was like, oh, all right, well, <laughs> that, should have, that sort of beats my story, doesn't it, you know? There's certain things, like, there's not, there's not much more to say at that point, you know? So, uh, uh, so when, you, when you talk about, you know, uh, a, a, uh, uh, the, the Torah coming along, you know, what does the Torah do for you? So, uh, you know, you have, to, you have to put it into a certain perspective, right? And that's always what we need to do. Sorry about that. I almost turned off somebody else's phone. Just got a message. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> so.
<laughs> I said this to somebody once. I said, how come when people demonstrate, they burn their own neighborhoods? Shouldn't I go to someone else's neighborhood and burn it? Like, what good does it do to, you know, I'm upset and I break my thing. I should break your thing. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, but um, uh, so uh, he, uh, uh, it's har chorev. It destroys everything else that ever existed. Because you say, well, I think this, and I think this, and I said, oh, really? Because God thinks this. Oh, all right. Well, that, that, sort of, uh, that sort of bests my opinion. Yeah? That sort of puts you on the side. So, uh, so when I coach Baruch with the Torah, it's a chorev, it's a chorbin to all other opinions uh, that exist. Right? As long as people know that there was a Har Sinai. Yeah? The, when Nevoah ended... That's what allowed the possibility for people to begin to deny the MS. There was no such a thing as an atheist before Navua ended, the Anjikanesa Gadola. Well, uh, during that point, there was, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? There was a Vodazara, yeah? But there, there, was no, there was no atheism. That didn't start until the Greeks. And that's why Alexander the Great who spread Hellenism, as the Gemara Yuma says, meets Shimon Atzadik, who is the last of the Anshikinezah Gedola. The Anshikinezah Gedola had the last of the Nevi'im. And when Nevoah ends, then Greek culture comes on. And atheism is a Greek word. Theo is God, right? A is not, as in atheometrical and atypical. So a the is Theo, someone who denies God, atheist, someone that's his belief. That came along with the Greeks, but before then, yeah, as long as Harasina exists, um, I, uh, I got a email from a woman who says, uh, my 10-year-old son says, how do we know we're right and not the Christians and the Muslims? Yeah. So uh, she says, I could try explaining, you know, the Kuzari's approach to national revelation. I, I don't know that a 10-year-old can handle it. I said, you're lucky, because I usually speak on a 10-year-old's level. That's really my, that's really my target audience. <laughs> that's as far as I can get, you know. So it's been a push of a yid, although I said that once to Rabbi Bullman. I have a lot of Rabbi Bullman stories where he's always yelling at me, you know. And I once said to him, I said, Rabbi, you want from me a push of a yid, you know, he goes, do you know what a Pashta Yid is? You think you're on the Madrega of a I said, forget it, forget it, I'm sorry. <laughs> Let's say a simple, simple uh, Jew. Anyway, but, um, but I, I said, I had this when I was in Cape Town, South Africa. There was a school there that had a, a program. And, uh, and by law, uh, you have to let in non-Jewish kids. Now, most non-Jewish kids don't want to go to a Jewish school, and their parents don't want to send them to a Jewish school. But occasionally, somebody would, so for example, there was a Catholic teacher in the school, and her kid came to the, to the school because it was, uh, you know, an opportunity for them, yeah. In Australia, it was a similar situation. There was a school there, and they, and they, they had in non-Jewish kids, and a lot of them are Chinese. The Chinese uh, pay a lot of money to be able to send their kids to Australia because they know they'll have a much better life. So uh, this school had Chinese students, and I'm doing a, uh, you know, a Jewish class, a class on Judaism during the Jewish hours, and they're excused from the Jewish studies. Anyway, I'm giving my class, why be Jewish, you know? And there's like a couple of these Chinese kids in the, in the, in the class, and I'm like, oh, this is a little awkward, you know? I guess I should, I should switch to why be Buddhist, but uh, you know, uh, there's a couple of these kids. So he said, no, 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 they go to all the Jewish classes, they find them fascinating, you know? So, um, uh, so I'm, uh, in, uh, I'm in this class, and there's a Catholic girl. And she comes over with a couple of Jewish friends. And she says, can I ask you a question? I says, sure. And says, why don't the Jews believe in Jesus? I said, don't ask me this question. She says, no, I really want to know. I said, you really don't want to know. So go to church, have communion, be a nice Catholic girl. You know what I mean? Don't ask me this question. She says, no, no, I'm really interested. I said, please, don't ask me this question. And her Jew, two Jewish friends said, we want to know also. I'm like, okay, now I'm stuck. So I said, um, you know, uh, the, um, the uh, Jews 
and the Christians and the Muslims all agree that God gave the Torah to the Jews on Mount Sinai. They all accept that. Yeah? It's very interesting. Mati Berger was teaching uh, um, in Discovery. And he says it was towards the end of the program. And uh, somebody said, okay, I hear what you have to say here in the Jewish quarter. But there are three other quarters in the, uh, in the old city. He says, I know. The Christians, Muslims, and Armenians all believe that God gave the Torah at Mount Sinai. The only ones who give me trouble is the Jewish quarter. You know, you're the only ones who fight with me about this. You know? so, uh, so I said, we all agree that God gave the Torah to the Jews at Mount Sinai. What do you say? God changed his mind. And he sent down his only son with a new message, you know, uh, that uh, only through this, his sacrifice and letting it into your heart can you get into heaven. I said, the problem is that then HaKadosh Baruch Hu wrote in the Torah, I will never break this covenant, no matter how bad you are. If you go to the, to, the, to, the, to the heavens, if you go overseas, you go to the furthest corners, I will chase you down, I will find you, and in the end you will all return to me, and I will never break this bris. Not only that, if a guy shows up and does miracles and says, uh, abandon this law, kill him. Now, that was a really bad thing to do if you were planning on sending your son with a new message, don't you think? It should have had an expiration date or stand by for further announcements. But don't write that if anyone comes and tries to change it, you should kill him. <laughs> so she said, thank you very much, and she left. And the, her friends told me she was up all night crying. She said, the priest told me that Jews have no answer to this question. They can't answer it. Yeah. So, uh, so... Har Chorev, it means that it destroys all other opinions. That's it. Once you have the Torah, that's Emes. There's nothing else that can go. But there's a, there's a deeper level to it, and that is it's an ongoing level of destruction. What do I mean? So we go to Gan. We go to elementary school. And we learn Yaakov was a big Russia. He's a big, hairy guy. You go out and kill people. Asaph. Asaph, good catch there. Anyway, <laughs> shouldn't have drunk so much at Shalashudas. Baruch Mordechai and Abrahaman. Anyway, so, uh, so Asaph was a big Russia, big, hairy guy. He would go around killing people, you know, and, and he lied to Yitzchak, and Yitzchak believed him because he used to give him yummy food. But Rivka liked Yaakov because he was such a good boy. You know that? This is the way you learn it. And then you get older and you learn it and you look at your earlier shot and you say, wow, I can't believe I ever learned it like that. You destroy the last shot. And when you learn it on a deeper level and you go on a deeper level, on a deeper level, you can't even look at the pshatim that you had originally and take it seriously. It's, uh, you know, it, it becomes silly. You know? There's, um, there is in Torah study, a, uh, I should really say Bible study, there's a school called the Minimalists. The Minimalists say, listen, everybody in Tanakh, they were just people, like regular people. They had regular mistakes. They did things wrong, you know. The brothers were jealous of Yosef, and so, uh, you know, because he got a nice coat, and so they wanted to kill him, and they sold him to slavery, you know. I said, you think that sounds like a regular family? Who are you, the Sopranos? You know what I mean? Like, you know, somebody gets a nice coat, so you want to kill him? So I grew up with five brothers. They were, they were pretty rough, but nobody ever killed me. They would rough me up a little bit, but they weren't going to kill me because I got a nice coat, and everyone knew I was my mom's favorite. I mean, I was, everybody knew that one. You know what I mean? And, uh, and uh, my mom was helpful. She would tell people from time to time. Everyone knows David's my favorite, you know? And I was like, thanks, Mom. Now my brothers are going to throw me into a pit. <laughs> That's all I needed. <laughs> But they never did. Uh, so this is, this is not, and these are people who it's clear from the Torah that Abraham and Yitzchak got Navua, and you're telling me that, and Yaakov got Navua, and he, and he gets these prophecies, and his kids grow up, and they want to kill somebody because they're jealous. Even from a minimalist point of view, it doesn't make any sense. You can't possibly learn it that way, but that's how they learn it when you're a little kid. So I'm going to tell you Medrash Plia. It's such a hard measure to understand. When Mashiach comes, every tzaddik that ever lived is going to come to a big suddhas levyosam. Everybody. And Esav's going to come also. 
And everyone's going to think he belongs there until a Kodesh Baruch Hu says, this is not for you. That means with the hindsight of history, after everything we've been through, Avram, Yitzhak, Yaakov, Yosef, Moshe, Aaron, David, Shlomo, they're all going to be there. And Asa's like, uh, got a seat for me? Oh, yeah, sure, come, come and sit. Until Kodesh Baruch Hu comes and taps him on the shoulder and says, this is not for you. If Asa was to walk into the room right now, we'd all stand up for him, trust me. If he fooled Yitzchak, he would fool us. Don't, don't make any mistake about it. Why? Because he, he wasn't a Russia on a simple level. He was a Russia on a very deep level. And that's why when you are at the base of a mountain, it's very easy to tell one side to the other. But as you move higher and higher to the pinnacle, the difference between one side and the other is a chutasara. It's a hairbreadth to tell the difference. Yaakov and Esav are twins. They, they, uh, they weren't identical twins, but when he comes in, he says, Hakol kol Yaakov yadaimide Esav. Why does he say Hakol kol Yaakov? The voice is like Yaakov. He says, because uh, Yaakov says kumna, and Esav doesn't. Vice doesn't mean they had the same voice. They sounded the same. I know it's, it, it, in Gan they taught us that Esav was like, oh, and Yaakov was like, forget it. They sounded exactly the same. If, if Esav was able to fool Yitzchak, who learned in the yeshiva of Avraham Avinu, with kashas, trust me, it, it wasn't somebody just, uh, you know, uh, like this guy said, he says, I had a chavrusa with the Rosh Hashiva in the middle of the night. So he says, luckily I was very smart. You know, I would just ask like a really tiefa question and he would just put his head down and think about it and I, I went to sleep, you know. So he goes, oh, and I wake up and go, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he says, my goal was just to keep asking questions, you know. Uh, when I was in high school, we had uh, a Rebbe. Uh, he was Makari of a lot of people, including me, of Yaakov Wales, that's all. And uh, guys didn't want to learn Gemara. And so they would say, oh, who says the Torah is true anyway? You go, ah, what are you talking about? You know, they go into a whole speech, you know, and everybody would laugh because, you know, they, they didn't have to learn Gemara. What they didn't understand is Rabbi Well didn't want to teach Gemara. He wanted to teach us all of the basic questions of Judaism, but he couldn't because that wasn't the curriculum. So whenever anybody asked one of these questions, he'd go like, what? And he'd be able to go into a whole tangent. That's how he made everybody from because he answered all these questions that people were asking just to try to waste time, yeah? So, uh, so uh, it, it was brilliant. So if Esav fooled Yitzchak, you have to understand that there was a level uh, of Esav. The only one he didn't fool was Rivka. And the reason that he didn't fool Rivka is because Rivka had a navua. Why didn't she tell him? For the same reason that Yitzchak didn't tell Yaakov that Yosef was still alive. Because he's like, Yaakov's a, a Navi. If a Kodesh Baruch Hu doesn't want him to know, there must be a reason. Rivka said, I heard this from Sheva Aver. Yitzchak's much bigger than Sheva Aver. If a Kodesh Baruch Hu's not telling him, he obviously doesn't want him to know. So I'm not going to go over and tell it to him. He's going to have to work it out on his own. And it's even more than that. Instead of a Kodesh Baruch Hu telling Yitzchak, he made him blind so that Yaakov would be able to fool him. And Rivka saw this and says, this doesn't make any sense here. Right? Avram didn't go blind. Yaakov didn't go blind. Moshe Rabbeinu was full strength at the end of his life. It had nothing to do with that. So the... the there had to be something else going on over here why he went blind and says Rashi so that Yaakov would get the brachas. The Maharal says there's no machlekes by Agadita. And so whenever you see a machlekes, the two of them are saying the same thing just from two different perspectives. And you have to figure out how to be menyashev the two ideas. So Rashi tells us three reasons. He lost his eyesight because of the smoke of Avodah Zorah. He lost the eyesight because the Malachim cried in his eyes. Or he lost his eyesight so that Yitzchak could give Yaakov the brachas. So what does that mean? What it means is the Malachim cried in his eyes. He didn't have human eyes. 
Uh, I gave a shia many years ago on Parsha Shmos, where I was always troubled by this idea that Moshe Rabbeinu took a hot coal, put it in his mouth, and he wasn't able to speak for the rest of his life because he burnt his mouth. Which is kind of strange because you see him talking all the time. Now, what do you mean he burnt his mouth and he couldn't speak? Number one. Number two is, in order for a coal to literally burn away your mouth, how did he pick it up? So Elawad, he touched it and some of it stuck to his hand and he put it in his mouth and that was hot enough to burn away his mouth? Uh, it's kind of strange. So uh, I was searching around for an answer that I couldn't find it anywhere. And a friend of mine that I know helped to edit the rough draft of Gevuras Hashem by the Maharal. Uh, the Maharal has a famous work, Gevuras Hashem, and they found his rough draft a rough draft is a tremendous thing. We have a Chaburah on Shabbos where we, where we do uh, Mishtabura. And uh, the Mishtabura is, of course, uh, a parish on the Shulchan Aruch. The Shulchan Aruch was written by Rabbi Yosef Karo. Before that, he wrote a long parish on the Torah, Shulchan Aruch, called the Beis Yosef. And then he took that whole parish and put it together and rewrote the Torah as the Shulchan Aruch. So, very often you can go back to the Beis Yosef and read the Beis Yosef and figure out from the rough notes what he was trying to say over here. It's a, it's a tremendous help. Um, I've been giving Shurim and Mesil Shasharim for a bunch of years. And at some point they found another version of the Mesil Shasharim in the Ramchal's own handwriting. It's called the Vikuach edition, where it was written as a dialogue like... Uh, um, Dastfunus. He also wrote it as a dialogue. So this was written as a dialogue. Yeah? And it was a, a, a tremendous aid to try to figure out what he means. You can compare the two. So you have a rough draft of the Maharal, Gvuras Hashem, and he answers the question in the rough draft, and for some reason he left it out when he published Gvuras Hashem. But he says it wasn't really that it burnt his mouth so he couldn't speak. It was like it, was, it kashered his mouth. It means now his mouth couldn't be used for dvarim divrei uh, chulin. Uh, that's why he couldn't speak to paro, even though you see at times he does speak to paro. But that's, that's, what, uh, that's what Rashi says. So that's why he needed ara. But what does it mean? You know, Shembayachai says, if I created a person, I would have created him with, only, uh, with two mouths. One to speak divrei chulin and one to speak divrei kedusha. And then I realized Kodesh Baruch Hu had it right because then people would just speak Lashon Hara with both two mouths instead of one, you know, and be able to speak twice as much, yeah? So, um, uh, but Moshe Rabbeinu had only one of those two mouths. It burnt away the other one. It was, it was on such a level of Kedusha. When the Malachim cried in Yitzchak's eyes, that means he didn't have regular eyes anymore. He had eyes that can only see Kedusha. And because somebody like Esav is such a complicated character, you see La'asad Lavai, he's going to fool, whatever that means, every single tzaddik who ever lived with having seen all of history and everything that Esav did and all the effects that took place. And still, that head that got Zeichah to be buried in Marisa Machpelah, there was, there was a koyach there. And, he, and, and, and Yitzchak saw that. He didn't see the Ra, because Ra, you need human eyes to see. Why? Because Ra doesn't exist. We say it on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur in the Bracha Torah Kadosh, and all of the evil will disappear like a puff of smoke once the evil empire is gone that is holding it together. Puff, it'll just disappear. And that's the, um, uh, that's the, the Koyach of Ra is not real. And that's why the uh, Gemara points out the words, the word, letters for MS all have bases. Aleph has two little feet. Mem has a flat base. You know, Tuf has two feet. Sheker. When you draw a shin in the Torah, it just comes to a point. Kuf, 
right? It doesn't have a thing. Reish only has one foot. Sheker's not real. Emes is real. And the, what, you can't see Ra. If you have Kedusha Dika eyes, you can't see Ra. For a while, I was learning in the Boston Coil. And, uh, and they told the Chassidus Shemaisa, where this guy, uh, he had to sign a star to get money for whatever. In the end, the guy came to take everything away from him, and he brought it to the rabbi, and the rabbi took the star and said, there's nothing written on this. So the guy looks at it, all the letters flew off. It was so raw that when it touched his hands, it all flew off. I'm, I'm a dyed-in-the-wool litvak, so I don't, really, uh, I don't really understand that story, but okay, you know, listen. Chassidish stories, you know, you know what they say, if you believe all of them, you're a fool, and if you don't believe any of them, you don't have a Jewish heart. So I don't know which one it is. But the idea is that Ra, Ra has no kiyum. You know? I had a guy at my, at my table from, uh, from Brisk Friday night. He told me over a, uh, an insight into what it means to be a Litvak, you know? It says, it says, Avram Avinu will pull anybody who has a bris milah out of uh, Gehenna. So, uh, so there are four people in Gehenna. So one is a balabas, and he sees Avram Avinu. He says, Avram Avinu, I have a bris milah, pull me out. He pulls me out. So there's a, there's a Lubavitcher, and he sees the Rebbe. He says, Rebbe, he says, I went on shlichus for you all over the world. You know, pull me out. He says, I can't, I need you here. So, <laughs> you know, so, uh, there was a breast of a chassid, and, and he sees the Rebbe. He says, Rebbe, you said anyone who grows, grows his payas, you'll pull him out of Gehenna. He like, came to my payas, pulls him out. Yeah? And the fourth one is a litvisher. And he sees his Rosh Hashiva. He says, Rebbe, Rebbe, pull, pull me out, pull me out. He goes, I told you you were going to burn. <laughs> and I said, boy, that just sums up my entire chinuch. <laughs> I told you, I told you. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, so that's the story that Ra has no kiyun. Yitzchak couldn't see it. Therefore, the, the smoke of the Keteris of Avodah Zorah went into his eyes. He couldn't see it for what it was because he, the Malachim had cried in his eyes. And why did Akash Baruch Hu do all of this? So that Yaakov would be able to fool him. So everything, all of these forces came together so that Yaakov could steal the brachas. Which brings us back to our original question. Why? Why couldn't he just give him, give him the brachas the way that he was supposed to? The power of giving a bracha is a very powerful thing. We, uh, we, we don't always appreciate it what it means to be able to give a bracha. Um, Chaim Kanievsky famously used to give a bracha, uh, bracha v'hatzlacha. And that was enough. That was enough. After a while, so many people were coming, he had to shorten it. Do the Russian tables and go, buah. Right? I don't know many people who do that in, in history, I have to tell you. Um, the, only, the only situation, well, I, there's two situations I've encountered. One is if you go to the Altenoy Shul in Prague, you see they have all these Rosh Tevos on the walls. You have to learn shot what they are, you know, because they're summing up different psukim and things like that, you know. But uh, um, uh, okay, I'm forgetting his name. Uh, Yamama. Uh, Chaim David. Chaim David is son, Yamama, 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 Mama. So I asked him, what's Yamama? Hashem, Melech, Malchem, Malachim. Like, to him, that was Pashat. <laughs> like, you didn't get that from Yamama? <laughs> anyway, so he would just go, Bua. Go, Bua. Yeah. One time a guy raised a lot of money for one of his stockers. He brought it to him. He says, Rebbe, I was hoping maybe I could get a bracha. He goes, Bua. He says, Rebbe, I brought you a lot of money. I thought I would get a bigger bracha than that. So Chaim goes, Bua. <laughs> <laughs> he knows what a bracha is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Go on, Moshev Korea, yeah. But to have the power of giving a bracha, so we're sure that it's just regular people give a bracha. Uh, we go to a Sheva Brachas. 
I was once on the days at Asher of Brachos and a friend of the Chassan was, uh, was speaking. He was unaccustomed to public speaking. You know, his hands are like cold and clammy. He's literally shaking, you know. So not everybody is cut out to be a speaker. It's a, it's, it's a very nerve-wracking kind of thing. You need somebody who really doesn't care about anything. And that's why I get so successful this field because, you know, I'm too dumb to know when I'm doing something wrong. So anyway, I have that confidence. <laughs> but uh, he's shaking and he, he says over his little vart, you know, and, uh, and then he says a few nice things about his friend and he says under his breath, but I was standing right next to him, he goes, okay, the dvatayra, the hesped, now the bracha. I want to give the chaska. <laughs> And I thought, yeah, that's brilliant. That's what goes into a, what should go into a Sheva Brachas. You say a little vart, that's something nice, you know, and then you say a little shvach, about the chas and kala, you know, or whichever one you happen to know, you know. If the guy's speaking, he usually knows the chas, and he goes, I don't know the kala, but I'm sure that if he picked you out, you must be very nice. That's always so warm and meaningful. And, uh, you know, I don't know your name. I don't know why you're here. <laughs> And uh, the, uh, the fact that people get through Sheva Brachas week has to be enough just to secure a Jewish marriage because, you know, uh, Shlomo Melech died at 52. He had a thousand wives. It's clear why he died at 52. <laughs> and someone made a cheshven that most of his life he spent in Sheva Brachas. Yeah? So between the Berekas and the Parva ice cream, I know why he died. How much of that stuff can you eat? <laughs> Sitting on a little plastic chair in an overheated apartment. But anyway, but, uh, but I digress. Anyway, so, uh, so here's a bracha. So there's always somebody at a Sheva Brachas who says, eh, the Chazal tell us, so let me give you a bracha. Says with Shlomo Zalman, that is from a Gemara in Megillah. It's talking about Goyim. When a guy gives you a bracha, but not by a Jew. Because a Kodesh Baruch Hu gave us the power of bracha. There is never a birchas hedyet by a Jew. It always has power. So uh, from time to time I say this over and then people bring me the Gemara where uh, the Kohen Gadol uh, he sees a Kodesh Baruch and a Kodesh Kedoshim, and he says, give me a bracha, and he says, I got to give you a bracha. He says, Alti Yabirchaz Hedjit Kalveinav. So Shlomo Zaman says, Klape a Kodesh Baruch Hu, you could call a Jew's bracha, Birchaz Hedjit, but not to anybody else in the world. A Jew has a power to give the bracha. A bracha is an unbelievably powerful thing. It has chalois. And that's why you have to be careful who you give a bracha to. Even more so, who you give a klola to. I, uh, I left my kids in the car at Oshaad to run in and pick up two things. Have you ever tried to pick up two things in Oshaad? <laughs> even if they're on, even if they're just two things, they might be on two different sides of that football field and you're, you know, you're running down trying to make the tackle, you know what I mean? Down the, down the entire court, you know? Uh, but... There's no way that you can walk into Oshad and get two things. You just can't. You know, end up buying a lot of things. So eventually, we had a half a cartload and we're online. And there are people who have a few items. There is no express line, Bashita in Oshad. And the people coming over, like, can I cut? I said, I can't. I left my family in the car. You know, it's not fair to them. I can't do it on their cheshman, you know. So one guy comes over and he says, I just want to get a yarmulke. So I said, I can't because I have a family in the car. All right. He went to a different line. Someone came. He comes around to me and literally starts cursing me out. Cursing me out. That didn't bother me as much as he started making comments about Americans, but, you know, which uh, I'm a little touchy about. But anyhow, he's cursing me out. So, so I said, why are you buying a yarmulke? You should buy a kefir. Then, Jews don't curse. Jews give brachas. You know, if you're cursing, you're coming from a different religion. You know, they, 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 they say... Uh, uh, Bullock says to Bilam, we know whoever you bless is blessed, whoever you curse is cursed. Says Rashi, it's not true. He didn't have the power of bracha. He only had the power of klala. He only knew how to curse. 
He says, Jews know how to bless. So you're going to come and curse me out? You know? So, uh, so you don't talk that way. People don't, don't talk like that. You're not supposed to curse people out, you know? Um, since uh, I, I, have, I have a forum, I, I just want to mention one thing that, you know, I've been debating whether or not I should, I should respond publicly, so I'm not going to, but, but this is just, you know, a small gathering of friends. Um, it's not really a public forum, but, uh, you know, there's this Harnoff group that I think is a gewaltige Zach. People are able to, uh, you know, find out, you know, how do you do this? Where do you go for this? How do you take care of this? And it's an exchange of information. Neighbors helping neighbors. Such a beautiful thing, especially in such a tremendous community like Harnoff where it's hard to have a sense of community. Something like this brings people together, you know? And every now and then, people want to use the forum to make personal attacks against people who annoy them or groups of people who annoy them. I'm thinking, forget about the fact that it's awesome in a Torah. You know, it's just such a reprehensible thing to do. You take something that's designed to bring people together and to create chesed, and you use it to, like, shtach people because you're angry at them for this or for that. You know, I don't understand why these people, but that doesn't belong there. You know, Jews speak nicely. Says the Pasuk, and Russia comes, babuz. Russia speaks bad, says bad things, says, says nasty, yichy things. Um, a tzaddik always says nice things. You can, a tzaddik always manages to find something nice to say. So a Jew gives a bracha. And by the way, we don't take it seriously. Trust me, you don't take it seriously. Otherwise, you give brachas a lot more, uh, uh, a lot more frequently. If you understood that you have the bracha, power of bracha, so that means that you can heal the sick, you can give someone parnosa. You can give children to the childless. You can give a shidduch to people who can't find a shidduch. You can, you can uh, help kids come back off the derech. I don't have to be kids, adults, you know, one off the derech. You know, there's, there's, we have the power of bracha. You know, we think that we have to go uh, up on a mountain and find somebody at tzaddik to come and give us a bracha. Every Jew has the power of bracha. So Yitzchak had the power of bracha. Now, Avram didn't even want to give it to Yitzchak because he was afraid he might give the brachas to, to Esav. But Akash Baruch Hu gives him the power of bracha. And he arranged it in such a way that he would go blind so that Yaakov would be able to fool him. So he sends Yitzchak, he sends Esav off and he tells Yaakov, Rivka tells Yaakov, you go in to your father and get the brachas. So he says, Mom, nothing personal, but there's not a chance I'm going to get away with this. I'm an Ish Tam. I'm the Ish Emes, Emes Lyakov. I can't, I can't, I'm not going to pull this off. He says, listen, is Ace of Russia between me and you? Yes. Okay, how do you know? Because he, he sold me his Bechara. Oh boy. Yeah, I happen to know it because I had a Nevoah. So we're the only two who know we're on to him. And if we don't stop him, then <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar in the world. Your father thinks he's a tzaddik. He thinks he's going to be the balabos. It happens occasionally in history. Yeah? Uh, uh, Rav Ruderman was able to build Ne'er Israel because he had uh, Rav Neuberger, who was the executive director. He was in charge of raising all the money. He was in charge of all the technical stuff. He handled everything. This wasn't on his head. There's some Rosh Yeshiva that that's what they're doing. They're, they're, they're running around dealing with all, all the Mishikas because they don't have somebody to, to, to run block for them. When you, when you have somebody who's going to take care of all of the Gashmias, so you're free to work on the Ruchnias, it's an unbelievable bracha. Yeah, unbelievable bracha. And, and it's not easy to find. That's what Asa was supposed to be the Balabos. So I'm giving him all the brachas. What do you need brachas for? You're going to sit in the base medrash. I remember uh, when I was in Chavetz Chaim, my first year, I didn't appreciate this. In 1975, here in Eretz Yisrael, Moshe Chait said, we run block for you on everything. You don't have to worry about anything. You can just sit and learn. You know, you, you, you've got your bed, you've got your blanket, you've got your pillow. We give you meals three times a day, you know. You don't have to worry about anything. You can just sit and learn. All the worries that come out in life are being protected from you. 
That's, that's what Esav was supposed to be doing, and that's what Yitzchak wanted Esav to do. And so I'm going to give you all the brachas, and you're going to be in charge of all the kashvahs. I'm going to bother Yaakov with this stuff. You know, ask him, ask him what to, uh, you know, what are we going to serve for dinner? You know, ask him, uh, you know, uh, pay the electric bill. I'm going to put that on his head. He's busy out there. He's, he's, he's sitting and learning and growing in his ruchnis. He's going to bring the world to, to, to Torah. I have to worry about all these mundane matters? But he didn't know that Esav had turned Ra and he would take all the Gashmias and twist it around. And that's why when, when Esav's Malach hits Yaakov, he hits him in the leg. Why? Because when you go bankrupt, it's called Poshat Regel. You're not going to have a leg to stand on. It's talking about finances. And that's why when Esav shows up, he says, come to Harseir, I'll support you, I'll give you a campus. I'll, I'll give you a meal program. We'll, we'll take care of everything. Yaakov had nothing. It's, he went to sleep at Har Maria. But it says 22 years in Yeshiva Shem Ve'ever. He didn't sleep. Of course not. They didn't have a dormitory. Where was he going to go? You know? I don't know where he got his meals from. You know? so he had nothing. Yaakov says, you're going to be my balabas. I'd rather starve. Thanks a lot. Thanks for nothing. I'd rather rough it. But, but that's what the brachas were supposed to be, that all the gashmis would go to you. He didn't see because his eyes had been cried in by Malachim. They were Kadosh. So he didn't see the smoke of Avodah Zarah. All he saw was the godless. So Yaakov has to come now and steal the brachas. Why? Because two weeks ago we spoke about the fact that Avraham, the Ish Chesed, has to take his son up a mountain and kill him. Because don't make a religion out of Chesed. And Yaakov is the Ish MS, don't make a religion out of MS. Uh, I got to tell the truth. What do you want me to lie? Yes, 100%. 100%. It's, oh, you see, Kajabar Baruch lies for Shalom Bayez. You know? So if somebody says something and the, and the answer is going to be hurtful, no, don't tell them the truth. You got to know. You got to know where and you got to know when. The truth is not always the, the, the best approach. You have to know how to use it and who you're dealing with. Boy, did I make a mistake. <laughs> did I make a mistake? Twice. Twice I made the same mistake. I made it more than twice, but two that I'm thinking of now. I was speaking in Hebrew University in a group. And I was talking about Rosh Hashanah, and I was talking about Rosh Hashanah, and uh, you know, understanding Kosh Baruch Hu and seeing this. Hold like this. Anyway, there were these two reform people in the group, and they wanted to destroy my share because it was very effective. And I saw them exchange glances. I should have realized it, but I didn't. So the first guy says, "But isn't Rosh Hashanah also about you know getting along with your fellow human beings?" So I said, "No, no." It's not what it's about. It's only recognizing a Kodesh Baruch Hu as the Melech. It's recognizing God and me vis-a-vis -vis God. But isn't it also important to get along with your fellow human beings? Because uh, I'm sure that's important. That's not what Rishon is about. But, but isn't that also So I was like, fine, yes. So this girl on the other side says, well, then how can I go into Rosh Hashanah when I see these Haredim throwing stones at people at the Kotel? And I didn't realize where I was. So uh, what I should have said is, yeah, it never happens. You know, next question. But I didn't. I tried to engage in an honest fashion, and that was it. Boom, I lost the whole thing. I had a guy in my class in Osamech, and they warned me beforehand. This was a guy who uh, is anti-religious, and said, oh, yeah, a whole thing like this, you know. Fine. So I happened to be teaching the Memchaz Dvarim and Pirkei Avos, and I came to, uh, you, know, uh, you know, looking for the Amos, whatever it is, you know. So I said, I told stories of Gedoli Torah who were giving shiurim, and then, uh, and then um, they, were, they were giving shiurim, whatever it was, and they, uh, uh, somebody asked the kasha, and they realized they were wrong. They slugged them up, and they stopped the shiur in the middle. I said, if you do that to the Pope, you know, you get excommunicated, which is true, because they have what's called the infallibility doctrine, which means that the Pope can never be wrong. I, what if he is wrong? Can't be. He can't be wrong. Yeah. So I said, you know, you get excommunicated. 
So he says, you mean like Spinoza? So I said, do you know what excommunication is? Do you know? So he was like, uh, no. I said, it's a uniquely Catholic doctrine. It means the Pope Poskins, you don't go to heaven. We have nothing in Judaism that's like that. I should have stopped there, because <laughs> I just showed the guy, he had no idea what he was talking about. So I said, what we do have in Judaism is cherem, which means that there's a certain, you know, society says that you are beyond the pale. Okay, that's what I meant, da 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 da, and that was it, and I lost the whole class. So um, I didn't do myself any favors, you know. You try to think, you know, well, I'm going to be, I'm going to be straightforward, be honest, you know. There used to be a program called Tochnit Shabbat. And uh, when the Jewish agency brings in different types of groups, so they offer them different types of programs. You want to spend a week at a Bedouin village. You want to spend a week at an army base. You know, those kind of things. And also, we can offer you a traditional Shabbat experience. That's what it is. And part of their experience is Sunday morning they take you to the hotel and they give you a bar mitzvah. Yeah? So, uh, so most of the uh, advisors were either in university or very, very left-leaning uh, left yeshivas and seminaries. Uh, anyway, so I was there to answer questions, practical questions. Uh, so one of the questions was, what do you do if you have a kid and uh, their mother had a reformed conversion? So they're not really Jewish. So I said, I asked this question with Tzvi Kushalevsky, and uh, I said, you know, everyone's having a bar mitzvah at the Kotel. He says, give him Hagba. So I said, but everyone's getting a Leah. He says, that's just marketing. He explained how Hagba is the most important one and all the brachas are taken into it. You know, it's not a problem. You know, you're allowed to give him Hagba. I said, but not an aliyah? He says, no. So I said, um, you, know, uh, you know, what do you do if you meet a kid and he's reformed? You know, should you tell him that they're not Jewish? And I said, absolutely not. And they said, but the person thinks they're a Jew. I said, right, the person thinks he's a Jew. And you really think that when you meet him, and say, oh, by the way, I know you were born up, you were brought up Jewish and you had a bat mitzvah in your synagogue and your father's the president of the Reformed Temple. You should just know, du bist der shiksa. Understand? Just tell her that up front. I said, she's going to call up her father and say, what kind of tour did you send me on? They said, mom's not Jewish and I'm not Jewish. And then they call up the Jewish agency and that's the end of your program. And what did you gain from it? So there's one guy particularly left-wing yeshiva, you know, he says, everybody wants to hear the truth. I said, you believe that? He says, yeah. I said, then why are you learning in that joke yeshiva? Why don't you go to the mirror? Everyone knows that place is nothing. And the guy turned white. And I said, you like hearing the truth? <laughs> or do you think this guy is a Haredi lunatic, you know, flag-burning, uh, misogynist, stone-throwing, uh, crazy person, you know what I mean? Because he put down my yeshiva. You want to hear the truth? You think you tell somebody who thinks she's a Jew and you suddenly decide you should know you're not a Jew and she's going to accept that? So Yaakov is the Yishamas. But I'm going to put you in charge of the world now because Asaph doesn't have the job, so you're going to have both jobs. So you have to know when you're out there fighting the bad guys, you can't always be a Tomim. And Raya Dove is, I'm going to send you right off to love and let's see how you do with that guy. Because, you know, bad people don't play by the uh, Marcus of Queensberry rules. They are bad. Bad guys are bad. So you have to be smart enough. So Kosh Dafka wanted Yaakov to steal the brachas. To be able to say, when you gotta do what you gotta do, you gotta do. And Afal Pekin, Yaakov Davin says the Medrash, that I shouldn't, I shouldn't have to say an actual Sheker. And that's when you go through the Rashis, each thing looks like it's, you know, who are you, Ani? Eisi B'charcha. You understand? Everything, everything is phrased in a way that could be understood as emes because he didn't want to give up his emes, but nor was he prepared to surrender the field to the, to the, to the people who are sheker. You have to do what you got to do. Klai Yisrael 
has to do what it has to do to survive. I, 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 it's, it's, I, I, I'm not saying this is an endorsement. It's just a very interesting observation. You know? um, Golda Meir said, we can forgive the Arabs for killing our sons, but we can never forgive them for turning our sons into killers. Mayor Kahana said, that's the sickest thing I ever heard. I'd much rather my sons be killers than that my children get killed. You know, that's, that's for sure the better one. Yeah. So we, we, have, we have to fight. You know, when everything, when everything is going fine, that's fine, but people don't pay, play fair. The world's not a nice place. And in fact, in two weeks, we're going to talk about what a not nice place the world is. I, I actually have my title already. Anyway, so, because uh, uh, there was something I was going to talk about this week, I said, you know, I'll save it. It's more appropriate in two weeks. But, uh, but, but the idea that we, are, um, that we are in this world to do an important job, you, you can't surrender the field to the, to the powers of evil. You can't let the bad guys have the upper hand just because you want to walk away with clean hands. Sometimes you got to be prepared to get your hands dirty. Sometimes you have to go in and do what has to be done. And Akash uh, Baruch Hu wanted Yaakov to steal the brachas, and he wanted Yitzchak to be able to be fooled because he didn't want Yitzchak to give him the brachas. He wanted Yitzchak to, give, to want to give the brachas to Esav, and Yaakov is going to have to go in there and use this kayach to be able to pull the brachas away from him because that's what Klai Yitzchak is going to have to do. We're going to have to fight for the good, and we can never surrender our humanity or our spirituality in the process. But sometimes you got to be prepared to do what has to be done and get your hands dirty, even if we don't want to. So, Mir Hashem, Akash Baruch Hu gave us the power of bracha. Use it. People need your help. And every one of us has the ability to be able to go out and make the world a better place. And Amir Hashem will use that koyach that Hashem gave us.